Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Holland. Welcome to another one. This episode is supported by Free Agent, the online accounting software that makes self-assessment and VAT easy. They've been making tax digital for years. To claim your one-month free trial, visit freeagent.com slash freelance. But right now, let's find out what it's like being freelance for graphic designer David Dooley. I'm not very good at saying no to projects. Like if someone suggests something, I'm very happy to say yes to it, even if I don't know how to do it. I think in my own head, I just didn't like putting my own name on top of invoices and proposals. I thought it felt a little more professional to put it under a pseudonym. Luckily, I haven't been burned too bad yet. There's just been a lot of kind of waiting and just awful things like just having to send people emails where you feel like you're begging them for money, even though they were happy enough to reply to your emails when you were doing the project. Yes, yeah, so there is David, who is from Ireland, but uh, currently in Mexico. So we will we will see how he's ended up there very soon indeed. He works as Yokioto Studio. And as ever for all of our guests, you will find links to what he's up to at beingfreelance.com. But yeah, enjoy the episode first. If you enjoy it, reach out to him. Let him know as, as for all of our guests. Also at the website, you can find links through to the community so that you can come and join other freelancers in there. And there is the vlog. So basically, this is me chatting to other freelancers on the podcast, right, about their freelance journey. But the vlog is me actually living mine out week by week. You can see that. Uh, please do. Uh, if you consider hitting subscribe both on the podcast and on YouTube, that would be amazing. But do me a favor. If you meet another freelancer, tell them about the podcast. Or if you're writing a blog post about oh, all the things which I like to, I don't know, listen to while making tea, then, you know, <laughs> include us and copy me in on Twitter on the link, you know, and let me have a read. Basically, help spread the word of this to other freelancers so that um, even more people can benefit from all the goodness that our guests share. That would be awesome. And don't forget, just before the end of the year, episode 200, we are doing that live. It is at the Freelancers Christmas Party that Underpinned are putting on in London. Details are at beingfreelance.com in the event section. But I will announce when tickets are available in the community first. So come and join us. There's a link through at beingfreelance.com. Right, enough waffle. Let's crack on and chat to freelance graphic designer. That is David Dooley. Hey, David, you're you're Irish, but you're currently in Mexico. I was right. That is correct. I'm currently held up in in Mexico hiding from a thunderstorm right now so I hope it sounds okay yes if that's what you can hear like when when we just connected I was like it's you by a road but no it's a thunderstorm are you like in an apartment or in your I'm in a co-working space hiding in the basement but the thunderstorms here are pretty crazy so you can hear them wherever you are wow cool well I tell you what how about we get started hearing how you got started being freelance sure thing so I suppose I'll go from the top because it's a bit of a Bit of a winding story with a lot of zigs and zags. So I didn't actually do graphic design when I went to college. So like anyone who's 16, 17, they've no idea what they want to do. So I found a course called Multimedia, which was in Dundalk, which is a town basically halfway between Dublin and Belfast. So nice cheap rent. So there I got to try a load of different disciplines to kind of find out what I wanted to do. Stuff like video production, coding, animation design, audio production, and a few more bits and pieces. And then kind of towards the end of that, I started to get into graphic design. So I started to do some gig posters and kind of anything to get my hands on, really. And keeping with the bouncing around topic, I actually set up a music show when I was in college 
called Flora's Lava TV. So what I did there was I was producing bands and doing the audio. And the gimmick was it was filmed in my bedroom. And any band who was on the show, they all had to fit on my bed because the floor is lava, like the TV game <laughs> or the kids game. And then towards the end of college, entered a design competition for Heineken, where you had to design a bottle for them. And the winner got festival tickets, which was brilliant because you're a student and I had no money to buy festival tickets. So then when I, I won that in the end, which was fantastic. And then getting to see my work on a bottle of Heineken that was being sold in the shops was massive. So that cemented a love of design. That's so cool. So you've been to the festival, but you've seen your bottle in the shops and you're thinking, I want a bit of this. Yeah, it kind of put in my mind like, okay, I've tried out all these different things and design is something that I really want to kind of stick with. So then like started applying for jobs as anyone who finished college does and got a job with a company called Grab One, which were like an Irish version of Groupon. Pretty nice one to get straight out of college. So I was the first designer in it was a very kind of cool startup uh, vibe. So doing stuff like images for the website, sales collateral, campaigns, and then they were owned by a newspaper company. So I was doing a lot of print ads. And it was actually in that company that I got possibly the best advice I've ever been given, which was by my first boss, Shed Barry. And he said, I didn't hire you to agree with me, which was fantastic to hear like straight out of college because you're in your first job and you're thinking like, oh, should I play the game and try to please people? You know, that kind of way. Yeah. And then, so on the side, I was also working for a company called Golden Pleck, and they're an Irish music website. So I started off with them doing uh, gig reviews, which I've seen as a great way to go to lots of gigs for free. <laughs> so I got to review acts like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Rihanna, the Killers, the National, loads more, which was fantastic. So then as the day job was going on, Golden Pleck kind of morphed into more of a bigger media project because there was a few guys from the class working for them as well. So we started to think, oh, why don't we actually use our media skills and put them to work here? So what we did for them was we did a lot of videos. Like I produced this giant project, which is called Coast to Coast, where we had 14 acts in the concert hall in Dublin. And we filmed them in 14 different locations. And then we were kind of rushing to, to kind of edit the whole thing and get them online as soon as possible. Kind of like Facebook Live, but before Facebook Live was a thing. Wow. And then we also did stuff like we did a print magazine in 2015 because... Who does a print magazine in 2015? <laughs> so we got to find out just how much work that is when you're doing it after work and on the weekends. And we lasted a we lasted three issues. So it wasn't the wasn't the most long running magazine, but I learned a lot anyway as a designer for that, which was fantastic to see kind of your work in a national print magazine. Yeah. But then it wasn't to be. And then some more kind of freelance stuff kept popping up, like the Royal Opera House in London got in touch, which was fantastic. So that turned into a recurring project where I would do a brochure for them every year, which we put into a newspaper and distributed throughout all of Ireland. And then another company called Element Productions, who are a film company based in Ireland. So doing a lot of work with them on film marketing and kind of localizing stuff for the Irish market, which was fantastic. Wow. How were those companies finding you? It was all through friends. So all through my network, which was convenient. You don't have to go chasing people. <laughs> And then it was around 2015, or it was 2015 actually, when the, the day job grab one, that finished up. So they announced they were shutting down, which meant I was very quickly out of a job. But then I was there for a few years, so I got a little bit of cash from them and did the only sensible thing and booked a three-week holiday to Indonesia on my own to figure things out. <laughs> 
I love that. I thought you were better say, I thought I've got money in the bank. I'll go freelance. No, that's much too sensible. <laughs> love it. So, so next you're lying on a beach in Indonesia. Exactly. Figuring out how much I don't like scuba diving. <laughs> I thought I'd like it. I like adventure stuff. I like skydiving, mountain biking, all that kind of exciting stuff. But scuba diving, I was so bad at it. I learned how to scuba dive and I hated it. <laughs> like in my group, there was me and three 15 year olds and they were incredible at it and I just couldn't do it so I did one dive on the ocean just to say I did it and then left my course halfway through it's not right it's, <laughs> it's not. not normal <laughs> so after my little uh after the little bit where I ran away from all my problems I got back to Ireland and decided to go freelance full-time so in Ireland there's like a really good scheme called the short-term enterprise allowance so you go to the welfare office and they basically make you prove like, okay, you're setting up your own business. You're going on your own. We will give you financial support for nine months, which was fantastic. So it meant I had to do a lot of, you know, the grown-up things like do a business plan and jump through all the required hoops for them. But it was good in a way to kind of set myself up properly. So then I also got a new client around then called Today FM, who are Ireland's biggest commercial radio station which was a bit different going from kind of an e-commerce website to going to a radio station, which was good fun. And then after a few months of working for them, they actually offered me a full-time gig. So I went from full-time freelancing back into full-time employment and worked with them for like nine months or so. Like in my first week there, we had Ice Cube and Kevin Hart in the office. So that was a bit of a change from uh, working in my bedroom alone. <laughs> um, and you were doing graphic design, were you? Or because you've clearly got a lot of skills. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Actually. That was graphic design. So I was doing stuff like they sent a couple of the presenters to the Euros. So I did like, I did the vehicle skin for that and all the branding around that. We did up like crazy things like the most popular thing that the station had as a promo product, which was a pair of socks, believe it or not. <laughs> So they were designed up as sandal socks because sandal socks are the most disgusting thing in the world. So they were intentionally tacky and I'm very happy how they turned out. So freelance life got off to a strong start. It did. Even even if you then went in-house. Well, the reason I went in-house was the Indonesia trip. That kind of gave me the travel bug. So I'm thinking, okay, this needs to build up to something else. So if I can get saving a bit more, I'll do that a bit quicker with a a full-time gig, you know? Mm. And when you went in-house, though, did that then, I presume, mean that the Irish government startup type thing, the the funding that you mentioned, that must have stopped, right? Oh, yeah, that stopped, of course. Yeah, they were happy to see me kind of back in full-time employment because that's, you know, bounced their books out. So they were happy enough. Mm. And then after the radio station, jumped to another freelance gig in a company called Maximum Media. And I don't know if you know them. They run like websites like Joe and her. Joe seems to be doing pretty big and stuff in the UK. Oh, yeah. Which was interesting because I joined them. Uh, again, freelancing, and then they offered me a full-time job. But for them, it meant I had to learn After Effects on the job, which I don't know if you've ever had to do, but it's a fairly confusing program when you're new to it. So did you? Oh, no, I did. Yeah, yeah. It was a couple of weekends, stuck in the house, kind of trying to get my head around it. I had to learn it. It was either learn it or be out on the street again. But then while I was working for them, I was building up towards eventually quitting the job and going on a trip around the world for a year, leaving my problems behind again. So in September 2017, I handed in my notice and took a one-way plane to Tokyo. On that trip, I didn't actually plan on doing any freelancing, but I took a terrible laptop, an 11-inch MacBook Air, which doesn't have a retina screen. You can see about like a postage stamp worth of stuff on the screen, which I actually took for photography work while I was on the road because I like to do a bit on the side. 
Mm-hmm. But then as I'm traveling all around, the work started to kind of come in. Clients were like, we know you took a laptop. Can you, do you want to take on some work? So I figured, why not? And then eventually became the term digital nomad, which I don't like at all. But a lot of people seem to know what that means, you know. So how long into your year around the world trip was it that you started taking work? It was maybe around four months in. So without like actively trying to find work, but people kind of coming to me, which was a nice way to be. So I had uh, kind of four months of no work, enjoying myself, you know, before getting a little bit more serious with things. And then towards the end of that trip, so that trip involved like Japan, Southeast Asia, New Zealand, South America, Central America, and then the States. But in Central America, in Mexico, I fell in love and met my new girlfriend. So then once I got back to Dublin, was making plans on how to get back to Mexico which meant I was back full-time freelance again. Well, okay. Hang on. What year are we now in? <laughs> Sorry, 2017, I left Ireland. Right. 2018, okay. I got back to Ireland. Yeah, it was a long year, but crammed a lot of stuff in, but it sounds like a longer time I suppose when I'm flying through it like this. Did you feel on that trip, by the way, that you managed to get the balance right between doing the travelling that you had set out to do and doing freelance work? Yeah, that part wasn't too bad. Like The trickier parts were the time zone, difference depending on where you were but Mm. hands down the most trickiest part is finding good internet like there was one day when i was in brazil and i had to send an ad for the side of a bus that was going to be going around dublin and i was having breakfast literally holding my laptop up in the air trying to get the file to send and connect to the wi-fi before getting another bus to get out of that town (laughs) so there's some stressful stuff like that but overall if you can make that work i'd highly recommend it to anyone it's amazing it's quite nice sending the artwork for a bus while waiting for a bus it was very poetic yeah and that was nice even for my parents to be back home and i could send them a photo of said bus being like here look what i'm actually doing because it's a bit more tangible you know for someone of that generation to kind of get their head around it yeah get yourself to dublin look at that bus yeah exactly so then got back to dublin and realized okay i'm going to be doing this full time so I should probably start up my own one-person studio, which was where Yo Kyoto Studio came from. I mean, you say I should probably, but like you'd obviously been doing all right as yourself, as your name, as before that. What, what was it that made you choose to be a studio name? I think in my own head, I just didn't like putting my own name on top of invoices and proposals. I thought it felt a little more professional to put it under a pseudonym. Right. So originally I just had Yo Kyoto, but then a lot of feedback I got from friends and stuff we're saying like that doesn't tell anybody what you do that sounds like it could be a travel site it could be like you know a promotional site for the city of tokyo so i needed to put the studio a bit at the end just to round that off but also being careful not to make it seem like i'm 20 people in one company which i think a lot of one-man bands tend to do and how, how did you make sure people knew you weren't literally the first thing you see on my website is saying it's just me this is a one-man show you know yeah so then Spent four months back in Dublin, kind of getting everything set up, getting the portfolio in order, getting the website up and running. And then in January, came back to Mexico, which is where I've been since. And so now you are like, are you traveling around or are you now settled down in Mexico? It's a little bit of both. So I'm kind of bouncing around the place. But Mexico is it for possibly the next year or so. Where are your freelance clients based at the moment, they're all Irish, which is fantastic because Mexican clients can't pay as much. It's like a different, different scale. So when you get clients in Ireland, that works much more in my favor. And what's the time difference like? Like, How are you finding it working 
Yeah, the time difference here isn't too bad. It's six hours. So my clients' evenings or afternoons slash evenings will be my mornings, which means I'm waking up to a load of emails and then two or three hours of crossover with work. And then once it gets around lunchtime, it's silence. So it actually works quite well for getting stuff done. Oh, yeah, I bet that's... I've, I have often said before, like, sometimes I'll come into the office on a Sunday, into the co-work space. Yeah. And I quite like, whilst I don't like to work Sundays... What I do love is the fact that nobody responds to my emails and I just get Yeah, you're getting a head start on the week. And so you get that every afternoon. Because every you're afternoon, working with yes. People have gone home. Wow. Just tell people you've moved to Mexico soon. <laughs> so that brings us up to date to where we are now with you in a basement in a co-working space in Mexico. Exactly. There's a question there in itself. Like, how, Did you try working from home and then like what? brought you into the co-working space? I think I just need to be out of the house to work because my girlfriend, she also freelances. So she works from the house and I figured this isn't going to work if the two of us are here at the same time. And I like just the routine of taking like a 20, 25 minute walk to work, knowing, okay, when I'm here, this is when I'm getting stuff done. And when I leave, that's it finished. Because from freelancing before, I know it's so easy for like the hours just to bleed into the evening, to bleed into the night. If you're working from home, it's pretty difficult to set some boundaries. Yeah, so you've actually managed to do that. Once you get home, that's it. Yeah, like I find if you leave the laptop in the office, it makes it a lot easier not to work when you get home. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. And, and what's the mix of people like in, like, is it you and lots of Mexican freelancers in that co-work space? Like, what's it like? Bit of a weird one. So the actual building, it's an architecture firm. And they had a bit of extra space for the amount of people who are working there. So it's half architecture firm and then half freelancers. So it's mostly Mexicans, but on the international side, there's myself and a guy from Holland. So flicking back through this sort of, I don't know, almost fragmented freelance story because you've been in and out and stuff. But nevertheless, you've been doing stuff for, for quite a while, um, yeah. about four or five years by the sounds of it, freelance. Has it all just been through the network that you have made that work has come your way? Yeah, up to this point, it has, thankfully enough. I think it helped that I was in three different companies, so I got to meet a lot of people mm. and maintained a lot of relationships. And like some people that I hadn't heard from in years, like even just a couple of weeks ago, someone got in touch from that first kind of full-time job I had looking for some work to get done. But I feel like I'm at the point now where I've almost exhausted waiting for people to come to me and need to be a bit more proactive. So a project I'm slowly chipping away at now is a showreel which is tricky enough trying to get it to a minute to fit in kind of eight years at work. So once that's done, that'll be kind of spammed out to literally everybody I know, being like, this is what I'm doing, send work my way. And are you now focused on graphic design or do you do, because you, you said about After Effects, so you do motion design as well or like what's? Yeah, so it's mainly graphic design, but if a motion project comes my way, I'm more than happy to do it. So actually it worked well for you you know, it could have been possible for you to have turned down the full-time jobs, but actually going into them is what has helped sustain being freelance. Yeah, 100%. And like some of the stuff that I learned from them was incredible. Like if I stayed freelance, I don't know if I would have made the connections to do some of the branding projects, like to wrap a vehicle or a taxi to do all that kind of stuff. Mm. But it's been a nice, it's been a nice mix. Well, can understand for someone how, how daunting it is to go freelance full-time, you know? You clearly had a love of doing side projects. I'm not very good at saying no to projects. Like, if someone suggests something, I'm very happy to say yes to it, even if I don't know how to do it. 
And is that still the case now? That is very much the case. That's why my kind of my work is a little kind of zigzag. It's all kind of over all over the place. <laughs> but I'm trying. I'm trying to focus a bit more now. Like if someone said, "Would you do a video project?" I'd say, you know, no. I'm only sticking with anything kind of graphic, be it graphic design or motion. So, do you have any side projects on the go? At the moment, I'm still kind of chipping away with stuff for Golden Black, and there's a there's a charity initiative called the 24 Hour Project, which I was introduced to this year. Which is it's this crazy project where, on one day, photographers from around the world take one photo every hour and upload it. So it starts in like New Zealand and it finishes up in Hawaii. So the whole thing goes on for like 36 hours, and Instagram is just flooded with these incredible photographers. Wow. So I did a little bit of work for them to kind of help people sign up and explain what the concept was. And then the other side project I have at the moment is a photo book of trying to cram a year's worth of photos into something a little more tangible than having them just sit on my hard drive. How have you found the business side of being freelance? Like It sounded like the Irish government made you have a good think about it. Did that pay off? That definitely paid off. That made me kind of look at the long term, not just kind of what gigs are coming in, but more okay, you need this amount to work to sustain the lifestyle that you have now to cover these bills. And like they were very helpful in like helping me figure it all out. So I'm very grateful to that. But it's definitely challenges. Like the financial side of it is tricky when you don't have the same amount of money coming in all the time. And getting people to pay you on time is, as every freelancer can attest to, is still a nightmare. Like I think every accountant around the world should have to work freelance for maybe a month just to see how frustrating it is not to get paid on time. <laughs> what, every person who works in a finance department should have to be? Yeah, that would be convenient. I think they'd pay a lot quicker if they had that um, <laughs> perspective. Like how have you dealt with that? Um, luckily, I haven't been burned too bad yet. There's just been a lot of kind of waiting and just awful things like just having to send people emails where you feel like you're begging them for money, you know, even though they were happy enough to reply to your emails when you were doing the project. Mm. But luckily enough, it's a rare enough a case. So I don't want to sound like I'm bad mouthing all my clients. But then of course, there's the good sides, like the freedom to kind of, if you're freelancing and you can just work from a laptop, you've got so much freedom to, to move around and work where, where you want really. As you've proven for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what have you learned actually about that whole, much as you don't like the term, digital nomad <laughs> lifestyle? Um, I think just yeah. the, the discipline that's needed because it's so easy to put on the back burner and go do other things, especially when you're meeting new people all the time and there's so much happening. So I think you just need discipline and saying like, okay, my mornings are when I'm going to work and in the afternoon I can go do touristy things and just being able to say no to people like, I can't go to this party tonight because I have work to do in the morning or I have to make a call, you know, that kind of stuff. I remember you mentioning earlier on one of your bosses saying, I didn't hire you to agree with me. I was wondering like what, yeah, I guess like what, how, how you find dealing with clients. In terms of them... Not agreeing with stuff or... So if people are asking you to do things or like, and maybe you've got a difference of opinion. Oh, okay. Has those words stuck with you? I think a lot of it just comes down to trying to see their perspective because they're not doing it just to, just to kind of be awkward or to be difficult. But if they're saying something, they definitely have a reason to it. And I find that a lot of clients, if you can explain where you're coming from, that definitely helps, which is one thing I'm really grateful for is that in my first job in the deal company, I got such a commercial awareness working there 
that I feel like I have a better way of talking to salespeople and talking to people in that kind of way as to business objectives instead of just mm. like if you can back something up instead of just saying oh it's my opinion or I like it people are generally a lot more accepting of that and seeing your side of it you know yeah like that and do you mostly deal with people via email especially since they're they're clearly never in the same room as you they're not they're very selfish they never come to my meeting room <laughs> yeah right now it's it's all email like a couple of skype calls stuff like that just to kind of touch base and you know maybe stuff that doesn't make sense to go over an email but 99 percent of the time it's it's going through email but even when i was in dublin like you're not meeting that many clients face to face most of them they don't think it's necessary you obviously started out like surrounded by other creative people is that still the case? Are you part of like a design community or are you the lone person out there doing what you're doing? Um, I think it's a mix. Like I'm still in touch with a lot of the people I would have been in Dublin. But in terms of like a design community or creative community here, not so much. And that is down to me having terrible Spanish. Like the town where I'm in now, San Cristobal, it's like a beautiful colonial town. It's quite artistic. It's quite creative. But my Spanish is incredibly basic, so I'm not at that point yet. Or I feel like I can immerse myself in the community here, but it's definitely something I'm working on. I kind of feel like there needs to be a film made of your life. Or <laughs> um, but we don't quite know how that film finishes yet. I really don't. We'll see. Are you somebody who plans, or is it more like, see what happens? It's pretty loose. There's talk of possibly moving to Barcelona next year because my girlfriend wants to study there, which is totally fine with me. It'd be nice to be a bit closer to home and then... I can practice that fluent Spanish, which I'm going to have next year. But um, right now, it's all quite loose. But I'm not going to be taking any more, any more full-time gigs at the moment. So I'm happy enough to kind of build a company and build, build my freelancing from here and see where I can go. Now, I always do this thing where I ask for three facts about yourself to make two true and one a lie and let me figure out the lie. What have you got for me, David? So in New Zealand, I jumped off a 45-foot bridge into a river without realizing I had actually cracked three of my ribs the week before. These are all going to sound like awful disaster um, stories. In Thailand, when I was leaving a temple, I fell off my scooter in the car park and a gang of monks who were praying had to come over and help me. So I interrupted their praying by crashing the scooter. Did you just say a gang of monks? A gang of monks, yes. Is that the technical term? <laughs> A herd of cows, a gaggle of geese, a gang of monks. Okay. And then in Mexico City, I had my phone pickpocketed on the subway, but managed to find the guy and get it back with the help of two subway carriages of Mexican people. What? Okay, the very fact that two of these are true stands testament to my fact that we, we need to be commissioning a film <laughs> of your life. So somebody pickpocketed you, but what, you, you noticed and took chase, did you? I noticed straight away. So it happened when I was getting on the subway. So if you're trying to stop pickpockets, your best thing to do is have your hands in your pockets so they can't take anything. But I felt someone shoved me a little bit too violently for the amount of people that were on the train. So I was shoved, my hand came out to kind of keep my balance. And then I checked my pocket and the phone was gone. <gasps> sneaky. Yeah, very sneaky. And then what happened? Then I said it to my girlfriend, so she shouted a few things in Spanish saying just pickpocket on the subway. And everybody was on a high alert looking for a small guy in a blue hoodie. And some gentleman pulled the emergency lever on the, on the train. So the train wasn't going anywhere and he, we had two carriages people helping find the guy. 
and we found them. Now I'm intrigued as well, though, because this is a bit like when a dog chases a cat and then when it finally catches the cat, it doesn't know what to do. What, what did you do then when you got him? So at this point, we were on the platform with the police. So the guy was thrown out of the carriage into the police's arms. Hmm. So back in Thailand, you fell off a scooter and a gang of monks. What did they do? Like what? They helped pick the very heavy scooter off me because I was lying on the ground with this really heavy piece of metal on top. And my legs were already pretty tired just from climbing up this giant temple that had like a thousand steps. And then did you just get back on the scooter and drive off? Did you? No, I took a little while and I called the scooter company and they got someone to take the scooter and I hopped in a taxi because I wasn't driving back after that. Have you stayed in touch with any of the monks or? They're not returning my calls. (laughs) Okay. And then the 45, so what was it, a bungee, was it a bungee jump? No, it was no bungee. It was this high bridge over this deep river. And you literally just climb over the railing of the bridge and then jump into the coldest water you've ever felt. But you'd actually broken three ribs the week before. Yes, so I did it without realising I'd broken the three ribs. I thought I just kind of bruised myself and I was a little bit sore. But after going to the hospital two weeks after that, I realised I'd actually cracked three of them. Oh, I see. You did say that you have that adventurous spirit to you, other than the scuba diving. So maybe you are one of those loons who would throw themselves off a massive bridge into water. I want the monks to be true. true. I love <laughs> the thought of the monks coming to your rescue. You know, like a little monk version of Paw Patrol. <laughs> but That's Mexico, adorable. The thing about Mexico City and the pickpocket, because you stop the train and then suddenly the police are there. I don't know. That, that That's kind of like the bit that gets me. I'm just trying to think like the train wouldn't have been at the platform. So what, then the train moved forward and, oh, but then I suppose the train driver could have f- explained why and then the police would have come. Oh, maybe that is true. Now I've just talked myself out of it. <laughs> no, I'm still going to, I'm still going to go with that. No, but why? Maybe the monks isn't. Ah, these are all Okay, the pickpocket isn't true. The pickpocket is true. That happened in March this year. No! (laughs) In that case, the bridge isn't true. The bridge is true. Oh, no! (laughs) Monks! (laughs) Okay, now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would that be? It would definitely be get organized. So with stuff like files, backups, admin, all that kind of stuff. Because as unromantic, as unsexy as that sounds, it makes the rest of it so easy. Like at the moment, I've got this master spreadsheet that just keeps track of everything. So all the fun stuff like how much money is coming in, how much is coming out, what I'm spending every month, keeping the business going, as well as a new addition I've done this year, which is anybody who gets in touch with the project, just keeping track of whether the project happens or not. And if it doesn't, why didn't it happen? Just so I can spot kind of you know, higher level if anything's happening with the business. So I can kind of make adjustments that way. And it just helps you keep a bigger picture of everything to let you do more fun, creative work. But now you, you're feeling much more on top of it now that you've put stuff in place. Oh, I'm feeling much more on top of it. Yeah, like I feel like I can focus on actually running the business now. Before it felt a little more sporadic, like I didn't have much control. But I think when you know where the problems are starting to come in, like, oh, if I'm not getting this job because of X, Y, or Z, you could start to make adjustments for that kind of stuff, you know? and be a little bit more grown up about the whole thing. 
Go and check out what David is up to. Go through to beingfreelance.com. As ever, with all of our guests, there are links through to so that you can find them online. And while you're there, check out the videos at beingfreelance.com, the articles, and click on community. That will take you through into the Being Freelance community. There's freelancers just like you all around the world coming together, chatting about biscuits, but also cheering each other on, picking each other up when stuff is a bit harder, asking those questions. And it's just such a nice place to be. Come find us, Being freelance community there is a link through at beingfreelance.com also when you're in the community that's um where you'll find out about the live q a's that we do and the non-employee of the week awards and where we'll be telling you how you can get the tickets to the live 200th episode in london just before the end of the year because it would be wicked to see you there so yes all of that is at beingfreelance.com but for now david thank you so much and all the best being freelance thanks steve thank you for having me and thanks Thanks for doing such a good podcast.